Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Radio's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Nathan Hurst. This is Before the Box Score. Remember me? I'm back. I'm back from my hibernation. I'm back from my hiatus. And I brought a new friend because we have, uh, we're not going to call him BK2 because that's that's disrespectful to BK and to Nathan Hurst. This is Nathan Hurst. Nathan Hurst won. Um, to lift a phrase from Jefferson Starship, we built this space, we, we bit this sports blog on Nate's and Matt's. And Nate Hurst is now going to be the second Nate that is part of the masthead. Um, so welcome, Nathan Hurst, to uh, this is our listenership. Uh, listenership, this is Nathan Hurst. Say hello. Hello, hello. So so excited to be here. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. So he is our newest. Uh, he had his first article drop today, uh, which is very exciting. I'm talking about the defensive coordinator hire, which we are going to get into this show. Uh, but, of course, as you have somebody new, Let's do a little get to know you. Everybody's got their own backstory. Everyone's got their own origin story as far as Mizzou fanship goes. So we're going to talk to Hurst a little bit about who he is as a Mizzou fan. And then we're going to get into the good stuff uh, on the DC hire, on the defense in general. It's going to be a defense heavy show. You know, we're going to talk about the, the commits, uh, the, the portal additions that we're talking about there. So get ready to feel, uh, feel really good or maybe really bad. We'll see how you actually feel about the guys who stopped the points. But let's start with Nathan Hurst. As the Mizzou fan, when we get into the beginning of the season, we always do a roll call with Rocky. It's like we talk about who you are, how you got there, all that good stuff. So let's go with the, with one of those questions from the roll call. Nathan Hurst, what is your connection to the University of Missouri? So uh, probably too tight of a connection at this point, but um, I uh, am a two-time Mizzou graduate. I got a, two degrees from the journalism school. Um, That's how I even got to Columbia in the first place. I grew up in Austin, Texas, which is quite a long way away from Columbia, but um, knew knew about the J School and how well established it was. And I, I, at the time, coming out of high school, I knew that I was going to be the next ESPN play-by-play announcer. I had a good family friend of ours that was uh, that actually did play-by-play for the for ESPN for the Big Twelve for many many years, Um, and. I asked him where where do I need to go to do what you do, and he sent me straight here, even though he was a he was actually a, a Texas alum himself, but yeah. he knew that Mizzou was a place to go, um, and so I kind of just hopped in and uh, signed up, and without even visiting, I did end up. My mom made me come and visit Columbia anyway. I, I don't think she would have actually let me attend without visiting, but uh, I knew I wanted to come here because I knew that's what I wanted to do. I got here; it was awesome. 
didn't end up being an ESPN play-by-play guy, which is, I, I kind of made that decision myself early on in my student career that that's, you know, not really the direction I wanted to head, but um, Mizzou stuck with me and I stuck with Mizzou um, and kind of, and I've always been a just insane college football fan in pretty much any sport for that matter, but um, especially college football. And uh, so adopted Mizzou very, very quickly at that point, kind of coming really even the, from the point I knew I was coming to Mizzou, I started following Mizzou. So that was been 2003 uh, was when I, when I uh, was first knew I was coming to Mizzou and 2004 was my first season here as a freshman and uh, kind of never got rid of me after that. So what, which one do you consider like your first full MU football season? Is it 03 or is it 04? It would have been 04 for sure. Um, I, it was probably more like November of 03 that I got accepted to Mizzou. And that's when I, at the moment I got accepted, I knew I was coming here. Um, so that was Brad Smith's um, pocket pass. Sophomore, sophomore. Well, his 03 year was his sophomore year. Uh, he was still very much, um, you know, kind of run all over the place. And that was, mm-hmm. that was Pinkle's first big break where they yeah. went eight and three that year. Um, and so I was kind of follow, I was following the team at that point um, and excited, you know, about how they were doing but I would hardly call myself a big, you know, really into it until I got on campus and started going to games. Yeah. Now, speaking of going to games, here's a little secret for everybody else out there. For all you weirdos who think this is super hot ladies, take a listen. Where were you watching Mizzou football games for your years at, at Mizzou? I was watching them from the uh, South end zone uh, as a member of marching Mizzou uh, alongside one Nate Edwards for many of those years. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. He he played trombone. Okay. And now he's married, so everyone back off. Um, but uh no, so you were like probably the sixth person I met in my college career, uh, because you know, we got freshmen responded, you know, reported first from Arch Mizzou, and then all you vets came in. I was like, Oh wow, look at the old guy who can play trombone really well. That's cool. Um, so yeah, that was we've known each other for almost 20 years is the punchline there, which sucks. That sucks for everybody. That's, that's too much time. That's a long time. Um, you were my second. Uh, I could second play trombone. Yeah, yeah. I was section leader, um, probably for, for the detriment of the rest of the band, but I could play the trombone loud. I could, I wouldn't say yes. I could play it well, but I could play really loud. So I was proud of that. Yeah. That was our specialty. Just being loud. Um, so yeah, so you came, you came in to Mizzou in 04. That was your freshman year as your first full season, of course, which is the the first disappointing Gary Pinkle season. Um, you know, kind of depending on who you ask. Um, but, uh, I guess along those lines, Mizzou fans, you know, them, we, we grade our fandom like rains on a tree. Like here's this, here's how we were hurt by this loss. Here's this terrible thing we experienced. So what was your first, like, Oh, Mizzou football has hurt me personally. What was your first moment of that? Uh, it was pretty early on, to be honest. I think it was week two or three. I think it was week three of 2004. And uh, Mizzou takes a trip south to Troy, Alabama. Uh, yep. uh, and uh, I remember watching that uh, game in the lounge of Mark Twain Hall because uh, they had the big biggest TV that I knew where to find. Uh, it was a Thursday night, and yep. uh, Demarcus Ware just ragdolled Brad Smith all all day, uh, and it, it was great because you know it got me a perfect introduction to Mizzou because we come in ranked. I think it was the first time Mizzou was preseason ranked in thirty years. I mean, it, since the eighties for sure, uh, and come in. I think we had beaten a couple teams like Arkansas State, maybe maybe Murray State, somebody like that. So it was no competition, and we get to Troy and. Uh, 
you know, third one of those Thursday night road games. I have no no idea why they decided to schedule that game in the first place, uh, but they did, and we went down there, and it was not pretty. And that was kind of also the first sign that that uh, season was not going to be going how we had uh, hoped that it would go. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but also, you're still around, and it's not like Missouri has been absent of greatness during this time. So what is, in your mind, what is the greatest Mizzou football moment for you? Uh, no doubt it was Armageddon at Arrowhead 2007. Yeah. Uh, I was in attendance there since I was in the band. Uh, probably also the coldest game that I've attended in person, but uh, by far the by far the best. I mean, I don't think I really have to go into too many details about that. Uh, everyone, I, I'd imagine most people are probably, most people our age at least, <laughs> would, uh, would sign up for that one. Yeah. So you have been a an official fan since 2004. So you're you're coming on to your 20th season as a full time Mizzou football fan. Uh, you are a Texas kid, so that means you are a football junkie. Obviously, you know going to high school in Texas, you can just you know go to go to homeroom or go to you know go to your PE class and bump shoulders with like the next three star prospect going to you know going to your next P5 school at the next level. So. I guess from your experiences, are there any players that you knew in high school or anybody that you uh, were friends with that went on to college football greatness in their time? So I went to uh, one of the top, perennially top high, uh, football high schools in Texas, which is, you know, there's a lot of those, but um, uh, my specific class was pretty, pretty low on the totem pole in, in terms of Westlake high school classes. I grew up, I uh, watched Drew Brees play uh, for my high school when I was a, a, a probably middle school age maybe a little bit younger than that, maybe fifth, sixth grade. Um, uh, and then, uh, so my class didn't really have much uh, going on, but my brother uh, was very good friends with Nick Foles in high school. Um, and he, Nick Foles was the quarterback, uh, took them to a state championship game. I don't think they won, but they made it there. Uh, but my, we did make it pretty far in the playoffs every year. And my fresh, no, freshman year, we lost to Cedric Benson's team in the state mm. championship game. And my sophomore year, we beat Vince Young <laughs> in uh, the yes. state semifinals. I mean, I say we, I was in the band, but uh, I, I was I was there and yelling in, in the Astrodome when we beat Vince Young, which was insane because he was the starting quarterback, starting safety, starting punter and starting kicker. Uh, he did not return. He did not return punts. He did not return kicks. That was Courtney Lewis who played for AM, who's a running back there. But uh, somehow beat them like 56 to 49 or something crazy. And then we lost. Then we lost to Reggie McNeil's team the next week who was who played quarterback for Texas A&M. So Definitely ran into some, you know, pretty crazy talent um, watching high school, um, but not, none, none that were personally I was personally aware of or personally knew. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Missouri high school football is a little bit different than Texas high school football, but uh, you know, hey, we got some good players. Not uh, not Vince Young quality, not yet, but uh, we're getting there. So. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit about Nathan Hurst. Obviously, he's got the the football bona fides. He's got just as much exposure as I do from the band. Follow along as long as we do, uh, just to, from an interest standpoint. So hopefully, we can combine uh, our Captain Planet styles to bring you a comprehensive football analysis on our favorite football team, the Missouri Fighting Football Tigers. So let's get into it because there's stuff that's happened. I I left you all and I said, hey, be good, don't do anything crazy, and then we lost our defensive coordinator. So I don't. I don't know what y'all were doing, but let's let's talk about it. Um, it was what two weeks ago. Uh, Blake Baker decided to make the personal move to go to LSU, 
which is his home state. That's where his family is. And obviously he's going to be the highest paid assistant coach in the country, uh, which, you know, a little additional uh, perk for him there. Um, but uh, kind of quiet on the uh, on the hiring front. Now, this is kind of how Eli Drinkwitz does it. He is not quick to replace. Uh, I think there's not really a whole lot of leakage from the Drinkwitz side on who he's talking to and how it's going. Just look at his previous hires, such as Steve Wilkes and Kirby Moore. Uh, but Nathan, your first piece today dropped about the defensive coordinator hire and your thoughts on the timing and, and some names out there. So, I mean, what do you make of this whole situation, starting with Blake Baker leaving and, and where we are right now? Yeah, I mean, losing Blake Baker is a loss. I mean, he was he was good. He was he was a very good coordinator um, and really seemed to have the defense trajectory exactly what what Eli uh, had has planned for it or hopefully had planned for it. Um, so he really got it up and running. He was he did great things. It, it but it, he also we kind of fell into him. So it wasn't like um, Eli went out, got his guy, brought him in. Um, but we, we kind of lucked into the fact that he was on staff when when Wilkes left, uh, to be honest. So, um, you know, I don't think losing him was a, a huge shock by any means, especially to where we lost him to. I mean, if, I think if there was only one job, uh, one DC job that he, we were going to lose him to based on the extension that we had signed him, that was going to be the one. Um, and it just happened to open at the right time. So, you know, he, he's going to be the highest paid assistant coach in, in the country. Good for him. I if you ask me, is he the best defense or best assistant coach in the country? If you uh, line them all up, I'd probably say probably not. I mean, he's good. He's great. Is he the best? You know, that's kind of hard to kind of hard to measure, I'd say. But, um, you know, he's, he's getting paid like it. So, you know, good for him. I, I don't I'm kind of I mean, I, I, is it my money? Would I, be, would I be have been sad if we made him the highest paid defensive co- coach in the country? No. But at the same time, like, is is he worth that? I, I don't know. There are other good coaches, so it's not like it's an irreplaceable loss. Yeah. I am curious, you know, we've only heard really one name for sure, DJ Durkin, and a couple of other names on the periphery. Um, I think Peter Sermon's the one that, that's dropped recently. But, like, I am really curious what Eli is looking for in this new hire. Does he keep the four-two-five? Now, obviously, base defense is a relic. Everybody runs some sort of nickel package. Everybody now has a full-time nickel back or a third safety on the roster, and they just—it's very multiple anymore. There's really not a base defense that anyone runs other than Iowa's four-three. Um, so, like, when you say, "Oh, I'm going to hire a four-two-five guy," well, that's kind of a nonsense, antiquated way of looking at it. I'm curious who like the style of play does he want someone who is as aggressive as Blake Baker does he want someone who is more of a kind of shell defense which is what Steve Wilkes like to run a lot like I I think you know and and does that person bring that style in or does he like adapt and become like oh you want me to be aggressive I'll be aggressive like I don't know what any of this means I don't know what he's looking for uh, but to me, the story is going to be like what kind of defensive coordinators are looking for because he did, you know, straight man Ryan Walters. He did straight zone four man front rush with Steve Wilkes. And then he did havoc at all costs, Blake Baker. You, I mean, unless I'm missing one, that's pretty much every style you can think of. Where, I mean, what do you think he's going to do with the pieces that he currently has? Um, I, mean, I can tell you what I hope he does, and I, I hope he sticks with someone that's as aggressive as Blake Baker was, um, at least for this next year. So, I mean, I guess that let me back that up a little bit. 
I hope he finds someone that can be uh, uh, flexible with what he does, uh, but is willing to be aggressive um, with the, you know, the, the amount of talent that, that the defense is losing uh, just to, to the NFL. Um, we're we're going to have to find some, find some ways to, to get stops and to, to make plays. And, and I think that aggressive style is the best way to do that. Um, you can't, you know, when you're going to be uh, at a, at a talent disadvantage, which, you know, we kind of always are not, not as, We've closed the gap, but we're always we're always going to be uh, probably a little bit at a disadvantage. You're going to have to find find uh, stuff in the margins, and, and being aggressive is going to make that happen. So um, that's not to say we you know you wouldn't want a guy that can also learn when to pull it back when it's appropriate. Um, but I think for the most part, you're going to want to keep the pedal to the metal, and um, especially with what talent we do have coming in, uh, the, your Williams and Winaries, your um, uh, transfer portal guys, flag and. Um, Toriano Pride, some really athletic guys. Um, that's going to lend itself, I think, more to, to that attacking style, style. Take the ball away, uh, and maybe it's uh, maybe it's um, a little bit of uh, a feast and famine where you might give up some big plays, which we're no no stranger to doing in the play under the Blake Baker defense. Sure. Uh, but I think that with the, with the offense being as you know hopefully as explosive as we think it's going to be, or hope it's going to be, um, it's that that's okay as long as you're also uh, making plays on the defensive end and and, and uh, creating havoc in some way or other. Yeah. I mean, stylistically or just from a, yeah, from a, from an optic standpoint, I love a havoc defense right now. Some of this is, you know, when did you grow up? What, what football were you watching when you quote unquote fell in love with it? And when I did, it was a up-tempo spread passing offense and it was an aggressive blitz, blitz heavy kind of defense. I, I love that stuff. I love it in basketball too. I love the 40 minutes of hell for Mike Anderson. Like that is my, that's my preferred style of basketball to watch. I love the spread offense. I love a havoc defense. So like, I'm going to be biased and there's probably no way I'm ever going to change that. I also know that's not the only way to play. Um, but I tend to agree with you, especially if you are going to be, you know, either in a situation where your offense is going to be really freaking good, like scoring 30 seconds, good, or you're operating with like maybe not as much talent, then yeah, you need to be aggressive in the havoc standpoint. Before I ask, actually, I just had another question. Do you make anything of DJ Smith apparently not even getting a shot at being the next DC? Yeah, I, I, I don't know what to make of it, to be honest, because um, we don't really know what kind of shot he has got. I mean, maybe, uh, I, I, I will say, it's safe to say at this point, we're almost three weeks in now, or more than two weeks anyway. Uh, he wasn't the first choice, and he's not probably not second choice yeah. either at this point. That doesn't mean he didn't, you know, he, he isn't, or wasn't seriously considered. Um, my, my thought is uh, in the past, if you look at, at Eli's history, he's brought in coordinators who have experience doing that job. Uh, yeah. He has even Blake Baker, who he elevated, uh, had experience uh, in his previous stop as a defensive coordinator. So I think um, I think Eli's looking for someone who has that experience. And does that mean we probably, that probably means we lose DG? maybe and it seems like that might be a, a a risk that Eli is willing to take um but also think about it, I mean we uh, we have some experience way before Eli with bringing on a coordinator who's also our research our uh, recruiting coordinator uh and if you think about Dave Yost uh, he was wearing about four different hats at once um so if we if you did elevate DJ Smith he's been a really good recruiting coordinator for us who replaces him there if he if anyone replaces him there which I feel like you would have to do because that's such that's a full-time job in and of itself mm-hmm. um and uh, so you're replacing that person now and, and elevating someone who while he probably is a great culture fit 
in the locker room and I'm sure all the players love him. And it seems like they do. Um, you're elevating someone who has, doesn't have that experience as the head guy, as the play caller on defense. Um, and it seems like that's something that, that Eli seems to, to prioritize. And, I, and to be honest, I think probably rightly so at this level at the sec playing for a chance at a playoff spot, you want to bring in guys that, uh, have done the job before. You're not wanting to train someone on the job at this level. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, there's the players are always going to want the guys who are already there to get promoted. That's always what a player wants. There's not a single player on any roster that's going to raise his hand and say, uh, why don't you check out Tulane's defensive coordinator? I think he's pretty good. Like, no player is going to say that. They want their guys there forever because that's who recruited them. That's who brought them in. That's their relationship. That's their connection to the school. If they lose that, then it's like, okay, so what am I playing for? So I understand that's what, you know, players want, probably want DJ elevated. I think that's fine. I think he could, he could be a good defensive coordinator one day. But to your point, every move this staff has made this offseason has been pointing in one direction, and that's we are shooting for the playoff or bust next year. And you're not going to do that with a first-time coordinator. Even if he's had co-DC on his uh, business card for one full season, I don't care. you got to get someone in who's going to be the coach of the defense, who's got experience, game-day experience calling plays, managing a defense, all that stuff. And again, I think DJ Smith will be good at that someday. But if you're if your goal, if you've kept your offense in place, if you brought in the, the portal additions that you did, you, you need an experienced DC piece. And that's probably what he's looking for, regardless of caliber, regardless of school that this person's going to come from. Someone who's done it for a while and is highly regarded is going to be able to jive with whatever Eli Drinkwitz wants him to do. So I, I agree with that. Um, the name that was bandied around, I think, uh, yesterday or today, uh, is Peter Sermon, I think is who it was Cal Cal's defensive coordinator, uh, out in Berkeley. Now, if you're on you know, if you're unfamiliar with, with Cal football, um, they are basically the Iowa of the West. If you don't know Iowa, they're basically just perennially 2015 Missouri with the greatest defense you've ever seen and the worst offense you've ever seen. Literally top three defense for the past three years for Iowa, bottom three offense the past three years on, on offense. So that is what Cal is. So if you're looking for a defensive coordinator, you could do a lot worse than Cal's defensive coordinator. They've done tremendous work, even with recruiting limitations. Obviously, that's a smart kid's school. It's tougher to bring kids on there. Um, I don't know where else you go, though. <laughs> I mean, have you heard – Obviously, DJ Durkin was banning around. Now we got Sermon. Is there anything? Is there anybody else out there that you've heard, or is there anybody that you would like for them to take a look at, and why? Uh, that I've heard, no, because um, this has been a really quiet search, which seems to be the uh, seems to be Drinkwitz's mo for all these. I mean, we no one had heard of Kirby Moore uh, until he was hired. No one heard of you know, well, we've heard of Steve Wilkes, but we didn't know that he had any ties to the program. And then all of a sudden, boom, he's hired. So that doesn't surprise me. Um, I mean, Peter Sermon is, is a solid name. I mean, you look at, just look at results and he's got them. Um, I'd be a little concerned with how just uh, bringing him on uh, and uh, coaching for a style of play that, that coach, their coach is a, is a uh, defensive guy. They play really conservatively. That is kind of, that changes how you approach a, a game from a defensive standpoint. If you know, your offense is also going to be really conservative and that seems hopefully, fingers crossed, not to be what Mizzou's 
uh, been doing lately on offense. So he might have to, to change his um, change his tune a little bit because I don't think Cal really runs that aggressive defense that we were talking about. They're more of a sit on you, hope that you know, kind of let you mess up, hope you mess up eventually, and don't work the way all, the ball all the way down the field. So I mean, he's is he a name worth worth interviewing? Sure, absolutely. Uh, but as far as other guys um, that I would like to bring in, other than you know that you're pie in the sky, Jim Leonard's, um, it, you know we've been hearing uh, it sounds even today like Jim Harbaugh's going to go to the Chargers. It seems like they're basically happening. Does that's happening? Does does a, does a Jesse Minter stick around in uh, mm-hmm. in college, or does uh, does he follow Harbaugh to the NFL, or does he stay at Michigan for whoever's going to replace? Does he replace Harbaugh? You know, mm-hmm. but the, so there, there there are some you know pie in the sky names that. I'm not sure that any are worth really discussing because it seems like that's probably not our who we're going to be able to aspire to get at this point. That said, we've got a lot of money to throw around. Uh, well, you're going to offer Baker more than two million dollars, and we also get a nice little buyout from him as well. So uh, the money's the money's there. The money's going to be there for whoever we want to go after. Um, but you know, as far as as far as who that's going to be, I I couldn't say. Yeah, I mean. Jesse Minter would be cool. Um, it, it would be really cool. I, I'm not not sure that would that he no. would entertain entertain it, but you know, I I, I think he's more of an NFL guy. Uh, I know he had to stop at Vanderbilt. And I remember he his defense is there. I was like, dude, how are you at Vanderbilt? Like you are awesome. Um, but I think he's more of an NFL guy. And so if Harbaugh goes, I, I'm I'm assuming he he goes with Harbaugh. Okay, uh, Jim Leonard, again, not really an aggressive guy. Uh, Midwestern as hell, Wisconsin guy through and through. Um, could afford him. Is that something that he's, you know, he's also very much like a stylistic guy. So I, I you know, think it could be interesting. You know, he wants to be a head coach. I know that's, he really wanted the Wisconsin job a couple years ago or yeah, two years ago. Um, and had his tryout and, and didn't get it. So if you were to hire him, you'd you'd understand that he would be and be very clear that he's using this as a stepping stone to something else. Which Eli Drinkwitz has op- been open and say, yes, that's what I want. I don't want you to come here and take a lateral job somewhere else. I want you to come here and take the next run up in the ladder. So like, I'm cool with that. Drinks cool with that. You should be cool with that. It is good when your coaches get promoted to something else. That is a objectively a good thing. Um, I don't really have any other good names for you. I mean, you could look at like a Tony White out of Nebraska. Nebraska's defense was excellent last year. Now their offense stunk, so they didn't really have to, you know, I don't know if, how hard opposing offenses were trying against Nebraska, uh, but he has he has had a couple stops where he's been good. He was the defensive coordinator at Syracuse, uh, and they were pretty good defense there. Maybe you look at like a, you know, a Joe Rossi or a Scotty Hazleton. Again, Big Ten guys. Uh, Scotty Hazleton was at Michigan State. He's been at uh, Wyoming before that. Great defenses there. Um, but like I really personally, I wanted Kane Womack out of South Alabama. Uh, he was the head coach there. Uh, really good defensive coordinator, but he went and joined his BFF, uh, Kalen DeBoer, at Alabama because they both worked at Indiana together uh, when Indiana was really good during the COVID season. So I don't have an answer for you. And I think as we have learned, when Eli Drinkwitz makes a hire, it's one, very quiet, and two, it's a guy that's on nobody's big board. So I'm very excited to, to figure out what that's going to be. Um, just 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 keep in mind, the reason they're keeping this quiet is, is for a litany of reasons, but in college football, you always get the guy that you wanted first. That's the rule. So 
that doesn't always happen. That's the secret, right? You probably offered six or seven people and they told you no, or like you got outbid. Um, but they're always going to say, this is the guy that we wanted the entire time. So that's why they keep it very quiet and only make the, uh, the official offers out there. Um, when, when they actually get the job, this isn't the NFL when they give you a list of guys that they interviewed, which I don't know. Which, which let me ask you this: Which do you like better? Do you like the cloak and dagger tracking airplanes version of hiring from college football, or do you prefer the NFL? Here is everybody that we talked to and their names, addresses, and lists of fears. Yeah, I I like the cloak and dagger. To be honest, um, if I see the list of everyone that that he's talking to, that's probably just going to do nothing but that make me mad. To be honest, it's more more opportunities to be like that guy. Really, what are you thinking? Yeah. Uh, so, which can be said for some of the, the one, you know, at least one of the names that we've kind of heard rumored in DJ Durkin, uh, you know, he's kind of like, a, what, what are you thinking? Uh, now that would have happened too, if he were to have been hired uh, as well, but, but at least I, you know, I, I can get mad for real as opposed to get mad just for even entertaining the thought. So give, give me a, give me a quiet search. Give me a, a secret search. Tell me at the end of it. Cause I, I don't have a say on it. So just tell me who it's going to be when it's going to be and, and let's move on. You know, I can think of a pretty creative defensive mind um, who is currently looking for a job. Let's uh, let's get Bill Belichick. Let's bring him into the college ranks. You know, I'm sure he'd be super happy having to do uh, social media graphics and trying to connect with 18 year olds who can't tell you anything about pattern matching but can run really fast. Like, I'm trying to. I'm thinking like Bill Belichick is obviously a football guy. That's that's what he is good at. That's what he loves. But I'd have to imagine. College defense coordinator yeah. might be Bill Belichick's uh, personal hell. So uh, I, I think he would look awesome in those photo shoots with the the high school recruits, uh, a la Brian Kelly with the with the uh, circle camera around there. I think he would love uh, love doing that. Yeah. Um, I, we, we'd probably have to to up the amount we're willing to pay by about ten times, um, and it would look kind of weird to have your defensive coordinator making twice as much as your head coaches. But <laughs> hey. Maybe maybe he likes to maybe he likes to hunt and fish in mid Missouri and we could pull him in that way. I do know uh, Belichick is is quietly a man of class. He's been on yacht magazines. Uh, I think he owns a couple of vineyards, if I remember correctly. So like, he he is a frumpy old poop when it comes to like interacting with the media in like football. But apparently he's a nice guy, kind of like Saban, except you know Saban mellowed out as he got older. And I feel like Belichick just gets angrier. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. That'd be interesting. But it's one of those things we're going to find out when we find out, and uh, we will break it down when it happens. But it's unfortunately, they're really good at keeping this thing in the dark. So uh, that's just we get to play the waiting game, and maybe by next show we will figure out who that's going to be. So we talked about the D.C. Uh, let's talk about the defense because obviously we've got some additions. We had a weird addition and then a loss, um, but – a lot of the additions on, uh, you know, the big splashy ones have been on defense. Uh, if you look back at the portal additions that this team has done, uh, at least for this current portal period, we're talking like a Toriana Pride, as you mentioned before, who's a top hundred player in his class. He's a cornerback out of St. Louis, played at East St. Louis, and been at Clemson the past two years. Uh, you look at Adaris Smith, another blue chipper, uh, really could not see the field at Georgia. He's only got like thirty snaps to his name. But it's a it's a blue chip prospect. It's like, hey, this dude can come and be something and actually see the field. Uh, so that's more of a long term investment. You have a Chris McClellan who had been widely uh, pursued by pretty much every 
SEC, Big Ten, Big 12 team out there. Uh, and he ends up coming to Mizzou, uh, which was a coup for the for the Tigers. Then, of course, you have Corey Flagg, which is your you know basically your Tyron Hopper replacement, um, and then Zion Young, uh, uh, who is out of Michigan State, very experienced piece uh, is going to be coming in and stepping in for Darius Robinson. And of course, I, I almost forgot Sterling Webb, the unheralded uh, two star recruit out of St. Louis who tore it up at New Mexico State and is coming back home. So you look at those and you go, okay, this is this is very clear. Um, they are looking to make an impact on the line, try to fill in the gap in the secondary, and hopefully build up enough experience in the linebacking core that you can rotate two or three guys. Um, which of those, of those defensive additions from the portal, which one are you most excited about? And then which one do you think is going to see the field first? Yeah, I mean, the most excited about, uh, probably Darius Smith, um, just the, the pedigree that he, that he brings. Um, Four-star, played at Georgia, didn't really seem like he found the right position there. I think they were playing him more at off-ball linebacker more than anything, and that's something he didn't really want to do. Um, so getting getting him, getting his athleticism on the edge, opposite of, uh, you know, Williams Winery, opposite, um, uh, you know, a couple of the other, these other guys that we brought in. I, mean, I think he's going to be the guy that's probably going to see the field the earliest, to be honest. Uh, and uh, and could him and Pride, I would say him and Toriano Pride probably see the field mm-hmm. the fastest. Uh, and and make the make the biggest impact right off the bat. Um, but what, what what I was struck by with the, the whole list is it was very clear and impressive that uh, that the staff identified clearly what are the big holes that we have in this you know in this defense. Um, and the same can be said for the offense too. Um, but you know what are the holes we have? Well, we're losing two NFL cornerbacks. They bring in um, a top one of the top uh, cornerback recruits from his class just a couple of years ago. A guy that they were very much in the mix for initially. I think we were were number two on his list mm-hmm. uh, to Clemson, and Clemson, you know, ended up going to Clemson in Toriano Pride, bring him back home um, as to, to to bolster a you know already pretty experienced uh, defensive back room. So they brought him brought him back, uh, and then the defensive line. Uh, we Sterling Webb is going to fill a really big hole left by three or four defensive tackles that we're losing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then we bring in Darius Smith. We bring in Zion Young. Um, McClellan as well. Um, so I mean, th- those those are four four guys right there that could be the starting defensive line uh, this this time in in August. So uh, that that was clearly the need they needed. They needed another you know an explo- at least at the time. We'll see what the new guy, the new defensive coordinator, wants to do. But at the time is clear that they needed a replacement for Hopper, kind of explosive guy that's going to run downhill and make big plays. That seems like what Baker recruited Flag to do at Miami and had mm-hmm. him do when Baker was at Miami. And then Baker left, and then it seemed like Flag's uh, usage fully petered off after that, as they changed defensive coordinators and did whatever else. I don't know. I haven't followed Miami football super closely, um, but he, you know, he he was very he played quite a bit his sophomore year when Baker was uh, was running that defense, and so um, it seems like he Baker wanted him here. Uh, he's got that same uh, same plan. So assuming the the new guy who's coming in wants to wants to use him similarly, I think that could be. A, uh, be a really exciting piece to add and maybe he doesn't play every down uh like hopper hopper tended to but because we but that's fine because we've got two other returning linebackers that are going to going to fill the hole there so maybe he's a mm-hmm. maybe he's a passing down guy and just goes and you know really wrecks shop uh when you need him to 30 plays a game or something no yeah cory cory flag is a havoc guy that that he, he he's definitely a blake baker player um when i watched his film like he he even lined up with like hand in the dirt defensive end a, a couple times um so he he likes to get after it and 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 cause havoc the thing about flag is like he's almost um 
given the quality of play that we saw from Chuck Hicks and Tristan Newsom, especially down the stretch at the end of the season, it kind of feels like flag is more of a, an insurance policy. Like in case one of them gets messed up, like you need to play three, you, you know, there's two, two linebackers on the field. You got to play three, you know, just as a rotation standpoint. So I, I think that if Baker was still here, we'd see a ton of flag. I don't know what the new guy's going to think, but like you got three quality options um, and, and Newsom and flag are play really similarly. And really, Chuck Hicks is is essentially kind of a havocy get after it linebacker too. He he kind of, he filled in for Chad Bailey, who was more of the the tackle machine. I don't really think that's Chuck Hicks style. I think he's more of an aggressive guy, but he he played pretty well as as your inside linebacker or your traditional like Mike. Um, I do like Flag. I think the guy that really gets me going though is Zion Young, because not only is he to me he seems to be the Darius Robinson replacement. Um, he's not as he's not like as heavy as Darius Robinson, but remember Robinson was an interior guy for like four years, um, and 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 Yun is a clear pass rusher. He's six six two sixty five, or at least he was um, in his last season at at East Lansing. But this is a guy who is still got two years to play, and he's already played seven hundred twenty two snaps. Uh, Five hundred thirty eight of those came last year with the Spartans. Now they were not very good, but he on his own thirty eight tackles. Five and a half tackles for loss, uh, one and a half sacks, six run stuffs. If he was making a tackle, the player was going down on average 2.3 yards away from the line of scrimmage. Like that is pretty much less tackles for loss, but essentially that's a Johnny Walker clone. I like Johnny Walker. I think he's great. I think he's I could potentially be great. If we have two of those, even better. You take a look that you still have Joe Moore. Obviously, you add your favorite, Darius Smith, who, you know, if he can pop, boy, whoa, what a rotation you got there. And that's even before you talk about Williams, one area, one of the top players in the country, Elias Williams, who was so good that he he was a late-blooming four-star. Um, you know, on top of Ja'Kai Lane out of Troy, Missouri, who I loved from the last signing class, and Serene Tunkara out of Texas. Like, there's a lot of potential here. But if you're looking for proven pieces – yeah, you'd go, well, maybe Johnny Walker or Joe Moore. No, man, like the pr- the proven of the experience and the production is Zion Young. And if he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be your starting outside edge. Probably game one, probably not starting reps, if you will. I think they have the potential to rotate. Um, but that's the guy who I think is going to be really impressive. So I can't wait to see it. Um, can we talk about this defense as a quality unit? Because I'm going to... Hurst, I don't know if you know this, but I kind of have a reputation of being a negative Nate. Now, I say that I'm not negative. I'm just trying to observe things realistically. Um, I don't think this defense is going to be very good next year. And I'm not saying that just because Blake Baker's gone. That is certainly playing a part of it. And I, I don't know who the next guy is, so that's also playing a part of it too. But you don't lose three NFL defensive backs and get better. You don't lose an NFL caliber defensive end and get better. You don't lose experienced pieces at the linebacking court, even if they were injured in the last three games, and get better. And you certainly, it's certainly tougher to get better than what, 
18th in the country as far as defense goes when you then lose all that and oh yeah by the way bring in a new edge rushing coach and a new defensive coordinator so i'm i'm not trying to say this team's going to stink i think this could be a fun shootouty kind of team but i don't think the defense is going to be in a position to win games like they did in 21 like they were in a couple times in 22 am i being a jerk or do you agree with me Definitely not being being negative. I just being realistic. You, no one outside of Florida, or sorry, not Florida. Excuse me, Georgia and Alabama uh, get better losing four, five NFL players off their defense uh, from year year to year. Um, and so, are we going? Are they going to be even as good? No. Um, they, they could bring Bill Belichick in to be the defensive coordinator, and and uh, they're not going to be better than they were last year. But I don't think they have to be. I don't think they have to be. Uh, they have to be competent, certainly, and they have to uh, they have to be uh, uh, create havoc um, and get some stops. But there's you can be there's some way, creative ways to do that. I think the offense is going to be explosive enough that um, we're gonna we're gonna see a little more of a shootout type team. Uh, the scores are going to be a little higher uh, than they've been in the past. Um, uh, but I, I think you could still win that way. I mean, we've we've had plenty of. Mizzou teams that have won that way and won double digit games that way in the mm-hmm. SEC. No, but, um, but, it, but I think with the, with the offensive skill talent that we have returning, um, there's, there's no reason why we, we can't take this l- diminished defense and still, <laughs> and still, you know, uh, win, win a lot of games. Yeah. I mean, you have questions on offense too, but you return your quarterback. You're adding two experienced running backs who have done well, granted at the Sun Belt level, but still that's a that's a good conference. Not not SEC, I understand, but still it's it's a good conference. You can return your top three wideouts who are awesome. You return your freshman tight end who's going to be awesome. He's going to be a sophomore next year. Your offensive line was a finalist for the Joe Moore Award. Now they lost two guys, both of which might be in the NFL. I don't know, but good experienced sixth year guys. Um, that you're replacing with a awesome transfer in portal and transfer in Caden green. We'll talk about that next show. So like your offense is set up to be, you know, have question marks, but be really good. Um, Hey man, Ole Miss won shootouts all, you know, past three seasons. Um, USC, well, (laughs) USC won shootouts in 2022, not so much in 2023. Um, That's not the point. You can be a really good offense and a defense that is, what's the positive term? Opportunistic, right? Opportunistic. Not that you get stops all the time, but you get a couple stops when you absolutely need to. Uh, A key turnover here or a three and out there, and then let your offense that just goes points, 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 just let them do their thing. So there are a lot of ways you can win a football game. Having a terrible defense Certainly does not say that you can't win 10 games. It probably precludes you from winning the whole thing. But, you know, also Oregon has been uh, in the playoff and close to a championship multiple times before. It's just everything this staff has been doing, and we've said it so many times, has been saying we're going to the playoff. We're going to the playoff. We're going to make noise in the playoff. And to lose all those pieces was anticipated. Losing your coordinator was not. So you got to nail the hire and then hope that he can – uh, like you said, be flexible. Um, but yeah, man, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm preparing myself to be hurt by a defense that can't stop anything. I, we were already let down by the big plays. We're very sad about those, but like, I don't know, man, can you, can you make it through a whole season of a defense that's terrible? Do you, are you, are you prepared for that? 
Uh, I mean, I've done it before, so I can do it again. Uh, we've we've had plenty of plenty of poor defenses in, in Mizzou's history. Yeah. Um, thankfully, most of the time they've been coupled with pretty pretty good offenses. So hopefully that's yeah. the case again. I mean, back to your point though, you can get you can win a lot of games that way. Washington made the national championship game yeah. with a there defense that was not good until they had to be. Yeah, and then when they had to be, they they stepped up. Um, but they for most of every game that they played with only a couple exceptions were not very good, especially statistically looking at it. I mean, they, they would just get run all over. Uh, mm-hmm. Then somehow they kind of would bow up at the very end. It would get, ta- get takeaways. Uh, I mean, then, and that's that those are stops and those are, and I think to win that way, you have to be aggressive. You have to create, mm-hmm. uh, create takeaways, get a couple extra possessions for your explosive offense. Cause if you just let the other, even if your offense is great, but you let the other team, work their way methodically down the field over and over and over again, you're just going to run out of time to score enough points to win that way. So, um, you know, we've been talking about it all, all show, but uh, bringing in a guy that's that can be aggressive, that can create, uh, create some big plays, give up some big plays, you know, that's going to happen. But if you've got an explosive offense, you feel confident that you're going to come right back and, and answer in kind. Yeah, absolutely. So let's close that on a positive. We are almost a month away or a month out from the end of the Missouri football season. I don't know if you remember this, but Missouri won 11 games last year. Only lost twice. Beat Ohio State. I remember that. I was there. That was a great game. Um, whenever you have seasons like that, when you have big like double-digit wins or you know marquee bowl games, your mind can't help but rank it against all the other seasons. I think BK and I have done this a little bit. And and of course, Parker and I talked about it a little bit during the, during the interim, but you know, four weeks removed, almost four weeks removed. Where does, where does the 2023 Missouri football season stack in your rankings of, of greatest seasons of all time? Uh, It's up there. I mean, it's, it's way up there. I wouldn't put it number one. Um, I would put probably, I think in my personal ranking would be 2007. Number one, but like that was the year that we were the closest to being a national championship team. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could say the same for 2013 in that we were both a win, a, a conference championship win away from the national championship game. Um, 2007 to seem that seemed like a more realistic opportunity, especially with how crazy that whole year played out. Every team had two losses. Um, if we put us up against that LSU team that won the championship that year, I think we would have had a real good chance, real good mm-hmm. chance against them just with our explosive offense. And they did not have an explosive offense. Um, so uh, I would say no, 2007, number one, 2013, number two, just because once again, we were right there. I think that team wasn't as good overall, to be honest. They were very good, but uh, they would have also met uh, Jameis Winston and Florida State and probably would not have gone great for them in that championship game. So I, that's why I put that number two. But this one's got to be number three. Um, oh. even over, even over the 2014 season where we kind of, to be honest, lucked into a SEC East championship, yeah. we very, we very much won it in 2013 by beating Georgia and Athens. But, um, that same year we got blanked at home by Indiana. I don't know if you remember that. So I can't I put any season, I can't put any season, uh, where we get blanked at home by Indiana, uh, higher than the one that we just saw. <laughs> Sorry. So I'd put down, I'd put this season number three and, uh, 2014 number four and then you're going back to the late 60s or early you know before you're you're looking at other comparable seasons and i was not alive at that time so i can't uh accurately rank those yeah i I just man we are a vibes-based economy anymore 
And going off of vibes, yeah, 2007 for me is number one. Just because I didn't think they were ever going to lose. Now, some of that might be youthful naivete. Um, but even then, I was just like, yeah, Oklahoma will be close, but like, we can still get them. 2013, I was less sure of. Oh, I thought I was like, this is one of the best defenses I've ever seen. But we also had wee little Matty Mock just throwing jump balls to DGB and Marcus Lucas and, and Ladamian Washington. And those are kind of risky. I was like, oh, they can be beat, but like, wow, this is, these are the best lines I've ever seen in my life. This is, this is great. I think, I don't think there's any point in this season, this specific season, 2023, where I thought Mizzou was going to dominate their opponent. There was no point where I'm like, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna whip him by like twenty, and obviously that happened a couple times. But I never thought that going in. I thought that with the 07 team. I occasionally thought that with the thirteen team. I just never bought into that with twenty three. Same for fourteen. I was like, this is the greatest defense we've ever seen. The offense is going to poop themselves somehow and and mess this up. Um, so I, the twenty three team made me feel really good. Because I never thought that they could do the things that they did, and they just continued to do them, uh, and it was fun. You know, you had good stories. You had obviously you had the Cody Schrader story. You had the Brady Cook comeback from getting booed against Kansas State to, you know, being cheered at the 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 at the press conference for for the uh, Cotton Bowl. Um, Luther Burden, obviously hometown hero. You know, you got you got Mookie Cooper. You got Theo Weiss who came in. You have the offensive line going from bad to great. You had the defense line. It was just like a bunch of transfers that kind of had to go somewhere else to be great. And they were great. You know, Ennis Raystraw is an undersized guy who's the best corner in the SEC. Uh, there's just so many things that you can look at. And and they just, they won. They won games, man. And sometimes they blew out their opponent and sometimes they didn't. But like, you got the fourth quarter and it was Cody Schrader time. Just, you know, muscle hamster's going to run. You had that defense who was just havoc and, and aggressive, and it was just fun. It was a fun team, and maybe it, maybe because I kept getting surprised that they won or like would blow people out. Like, this is fun. I like it. Um, but I don't. Yeah, there. You lost to the Heisman Trophy winner, and you lost to Georgia. Like, you weren't going to play for anything other than a super cool bowl game, which is good. Don't get me wrong, but like, it's not going to top 07 or 13. So, I think yeah, I'm with you. I think I'm putting it at third. I think it's third, and uh, fourteen is a far, far fourth. <laughs> that office was not good, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was fourth. If if twenty ten or sorry, twenty yeah, twenty ten had ended a little differently, uh, oh, yeah. as instead of a, just the worst interception I've seen in my entire life thrown by yeah. Blaine Gabbert against yeah. Iowa, that one could be up there. Could could rival number four because that was a, that was a ten and two season, uh, beating number one Oklahoma at home. Uh, a lot of a lot of good stuff that that year. Up until the very end, which was disappointing. But you also um, lost to a Tommy Tuberville Texas Tech team. That was not great. That wasn't great. That wasn't great. But we did have the Mo Miracle. So Oh, that's right. Oh man. It's about moments, man. Yeah. Like, that's that's what the seasons are about. The moments are the stuff you remember. Um yeah, twenty ten was a was a really cool, really cool season too. Oh man, memories. Well, we're not gonna we're not gonna chow on member berries for the for the rest of the night so we'll call it there but uh yeah we'll hopefully like i said hopefully we'll get a defensive quarter by the next time we talk to you guys we'll be back in two weeks um hopefully you enjoy missouri basketball in between the oh my god well maybe maybe pick up a good book maybe get into reading i don't know uh 
hang out with your kids. Go go hike some trails. I, better yourself. Learn how to cook something because uh, it's a long way to uh, football season. So anyway, um, Hurst, you just completed your first show on the same day that you wrote your first article. Congratulations, man. It's been a banner day for you. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long one. I'm probably gonna go pass out uh, as soon as we, as soon as we hang up here. Uh, it's been a de- definitely a, a uh, an exciting day for sure. I'm really really happy to be on here. Hopefully, hopefully I'll be allowed to come back the next time. Yeah, uh, but we'll we'll have to see. For sure. Yeah, we'll I'll keep you around for a little bit longer. But that's the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. You can leave a comment or rate us. We have all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nate Edwards. He's at Burst to Hurst. And of course, you can follow the Rockin' flagship at Rockin' Nation and our podcasting outlet at Rockin' Radio. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Rock M Radio, a proud partner of Fans First Sports Network. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see more, just like it beamed directly into your personal device, just click the subscribe button below. Beep. Uh, and you can find this podcast through the Apple Podcast app or for iPhone or the Google Podcast app for Android or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. Uh, we are also available on Spotify. Just search for Rock M Radio. Uh, and if you like other sports, Fans First Sports Network uh, is a podcast network that has uh, coverage of all other teams, Major League Baseball, uh, MLS, uh, NFL, whatever you want uh, to listen and and read about it is a great great network full of really fantastic podcasts so look them up and subscribe uh to any and all of those podcasts uh rock m radio will be back with more episodes coming soon thanks